Kenny here, welcoming you to a very special edition of Joe vs. the World. It's the first in our series of Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame shows, and it's a topic so big, we have not one but two guests today. And even better, they're not just any two guests, they were the original hosts of the Press Power Hour. It's Dr. Keith Lipinski and Mike Sempervivi. Gentlemen, how you doing? The fact that I just said wonderful is more than I got in edgewise, word-wise, than I did in the entire couple of years I was doing the show with Keith. I would like to say that for tonight, I will be playing the role of Mike Sempervivi. Wow, wow, somebody changed my diaper and feed me a bottle. My name is Dr. Keith. Look at my mustache and touch my sideburns. Oh, wow. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I told you to case the mustache. <laughs> I went there. Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah, you did. You did. I'm kidding. Joe, it is a pleasure and an honor to be back on your fine show, especially for the fact that even though I'm not able and not eligible this year to be in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, I'm still eligible to talk about it. So thank you. Yeah. Am I playing Zach Arnold then, if uh, you're playing each other? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we love Zach. Zach is a fine, fine man. Who, who Zach is a fine, upstanding, wonderful human being and producer, and he actually gets to talk. So... Right All there, right. how how could it be wrong? Yeah, you know when it feels so right. Uh, Adam, I'll just respond with a Jerry Lawler sound laugh. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, we would have Adam Summers here today, but he's on girlfriend lockdown. That's pretty well, sad. And, uh, <laughs> and he will soon be on uh, doing a show here, just because he would love to pour out promoting the F4WOnline.com too and the big audio nightmare. But uh, yes, uh, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately for him. Uh, he's, uh, he's had previous engagements with his girlfriend, so he's not here. Apparently, my diva-like... probably pretty happy. Apparently, my diva-like demands to appear on Joe's show were just a little bit too much for Adam to take, which is totally cool and totally understanding. And, you know, by the way, Joe, the white cola was not up to my normal standard temperature of 74.5 degrees. It was actually 74.8 in that... Uh, you know, as a true professional, I'm going to try and just go on with the interview, but uh, that, that's going to be in the back of my mind throughout the entire thing. Keith, I know you asked for just purple M&Ms in a bowl, but they don't make purple M&Ms. Those are Skittles, I think. Joe, if you wanted me on your show so fucking bad, you would have made some fucking purple M&Ms yourself, all right? All right, I apologize. So, and, and, and you know the weird thing about this whole... You know what the whole weird thing about this whole thing is? I end up, I still talk to Mike, even though, you know, technically Mike is the co-host of the Dr. Kipopinski show, available at drkeithshow.com and, of course, pressupower.com. But, I, you know, I still talk to Mike. It feels like it's been ages since I've talked to Mike. And I think we actually recorded, what was that, last night? Or was it like two nights ago? I think so, yes. Two nights ago. It was, it, it was glorious radio. Good times. Well, oh, yeah. like magic. <laughs> well, it is the summertime, so it's time to debate the Wrestling Hall of Fame, focusing on the Japanese candidates today. Hall of Fame, a bit of a sticky subject. You know, uh, if you're talking baseball, you can look at someone's statistics, but what makes someone Hall of Fame worthy in wrestling can be a bit more subjective. I mean, should Dick Murdoch be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. You kind of have to be uh, be around when someone was in their prime to really judge this, but we're going to do the best we can, aren't we? Well, no, I'm, I'm hoping to fail miserably when it comes to this, Joe. That's why I'm on here, because of my lack of expertise. No, it's, it's, it's always interesting talking about the Hall of Fame, because no matter what happens, when the issue is mailed out, we will be able to talk about it even more than about, 
You know, right now it's just a tentative stage. Who belongs in there? Who doesn't belong in there? And as soon as the issue's out, okay, I have a thousand reasons why this guy should be in there rather than this guy. So, you know. But uh, this year, of and then, course... And then Ole Anderson has a whole lot more reasons to come after Dave. Yes, that, that's a good thing because the last, you know, for about, what's it been, like 10 months or so, Ole's sort of been in his little shell. And now, now, as soon as that Hall of Fame issue is out, oh, it's going to be good times, you know. Oh, yeah. Ole Anderson's second book, the pop-up book about his feelings on Dave Meltzer, should hopefully be in stores anytime soon. Tremendous. Uh, a bit of a sad note to start is uh, Yoshihiro Takayama was dropped off the ballot this year. I call bullshit on that. I, he, the, the sad thing is he's, you know, I, he, why isn't he in the MMA one as well? Because if it wasn't for MMA, he really wouldn't have the pro wrestling longevity and career that he has now. He'd possibly be going all around and possibly octopus wrestling. It's possible. No, I, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but when you figure in, when you factor in that he got his face punched in by Don Fry in a famous fight. He started in the samurai drama. Uh, he used to be horrible and got pretty damn great. And uh, he's probably the ugliest wrestler ever. I mean, doesn't that at least keep you on the ballot? Well, the whole thing about his nose being over by his left ear and mouth is over by the right ear, actually, yes. I think there should be more ugly people invited to be in the Hall of Fame every year. I, I think, I think though, you have to think about the Hall of Fame, gentlemen, and the fact that there is already an ugly man Hall of Fame, and there is also, in fact, a Hall of Fame for wrestlers that have worked the soap operas, and that's why, you know, that's why Conan right now is on the ballot as well, because they only had room for one awesome, uh, su- you know, soap opera superstar. So if Conan does get in this year, though, that frees up a spot for Takayama for being in those t- TV novellas. Plus, if it was just going off gimmick T-shirts, the I've never lost, that's automatically in. Yeah, I, I would think when it comes to great merchandise, that he would be up there with Austin 316 and, you know, Recycling 2006. Don't forget the uh, the Everest German shirt and also the old uh, Team No Fear shirt. I think it said, if it has wheels or a skirt, I can't afford it. <laughs> You know, you know, it always interests me, and I don't think in the 28 years that Mike and I did the PPH together that I mentioned this, it always interests me the Japanese wrestling fascination with jock asshole shirts. For, for instance, you know, of course, No Fear was one of them, of course, based off the fine line of No Fear shirts that are in America. But then you had, of course, Mr. Pogo, who looked like the bad boy club guy all over it and would always wear bad boy club things. So, you know, eventually when I do get around to writing a book about the professional wrestling business and the landscape in Japan, that's definitely going to be the high point of it right there. Mike, do you have a response to that? or How can I follow that? I guess so. On a somewhat serious note, do, do you think Takayama ever has a chance to make uh, the Hall of Fame, or is he just kind of at that level where just not enough? Oh, he, he's, got a, he's got a chance to make it. I, I don't think he will, at least not any time soon, but as time passes, I think he's going to have a better chance of getting in. I, I don't think there's a shot in hell, even if there's an MMA portion, that he does make it in. Um, considering the only man who's going to take beatings like that, uh, who's going to end up in is... I don't know if there's anybody who ever took a beating like that that's going to be able to make it in. But as time passes, I think there's a shot he does make it in because I think people are going to end up maybe glossing over uh, how he was when he started because I think there's a lot of people that loved his style right away that he was really, I mean, there's a reason that, that I know Zach called him backyarders and I 
gotta admit, I was kind of that way, too. Okay, I was that way, too. And, and he was all over the place. And just stiff for the sake of being stiff. And to me, that didn't make for great wrestling matches. It didn't make for a great wrestler. But I have a feeling as time goes on, people are going to gloss over that and then just take into account those, really, the, the two big years he had before he ended up going down. This The, the fact that he had the stroke and everything's been cut short, but he, that's going to damage him. And it's also going to be interesting to see how healthy he stays. Because if he is able to put together great big matches and he's able to get back into a regular flow, his shots are going in the Hall of Fame, just rocketed up. But frankly, I don't even think he should be wrestling. So it really should be a moot point. A lot of it, though, Mike, depends on how this run's going to happen now. I mean, the fact that it looks like that New Japan is going to have him wrestle several dates on their G1 tour because, you know, frankly, they could use the extra star power that Atakama will allow. I mean, his first match back... But is he doing several dates, or is he really only doing one at the end there for the pay-per-view at the end of the G1? I think, I think, and it hasn't been confirmed yet, I think he's doing both of the Sumo Hall shows. See, and that's, that's a shame. That's a shame, because it's too much, I think it's still too much coming off the tag match he just had, which, where he did look good, and he was, you know, but his style, really, his style doesn't dictate to this being something that should go on long-term. It could, but it really shouldn't. But and I think there's going to be a lot of people with that. They're going to keep that in mind too. I, I think I think if 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 Takayama can have a good run where he stays healthy, huh? You know, <laughs> and actually look, you know, look pretty decent in matches and stay the heck away from MMA just for a little bit and maybe build up for a while for the fact and actually use that possibly as storylines for him in pro wrestling. The fact that, you know, here he is, a guy having, a, you know, that has gone through so much and basically gotten all this acclaim from, you know, the fights that he had where he basically was a human punching bag. You know, you sit there and you turn that into something and then eventually, yeah, he can do one MMA fight and hopefully he doesn't die like Apollo Creed in Rocky Four. But, you know, you need to do something like that with Takayama because his career so far, I mean, you know, when you think about it, and I always put, bring back this analogy, you know, let's talk about 1999. I, you know, 1999, 2000, like right, right when the Noah split was happening, you would always think of Team No Fear as the talented guy in Takayama. And then, and then Takayama showing the burst of personality when Pro Wrestling Noah started by him and Amore dyeing their hair blonde and him looking even more hideously, ridiculously ugly. And then, of course, the fact him getting into MMA and getting his face basically put in the proverbial PPH blender that isn't the Hulk Hogan blender. So I, I, I think in a year or two, you, I wouldn't be too surprised to be Takayama, see Takayama's name on there. But in the same wrath of mind, Takayama Williams me one of those guys that, sure, he had some big money fights. He's had some pretty decent matches. But uh, on his own, he really, to me, right now, does not stand up as a Hall of Famer. You know, he had a great year and a couple really good years around it. But you know what? Uh, and, yes, he had some... Uh, some notable and some very notorious fights, but you know what? He was blown out in all four of those fights, and the fact that he only had one great backflipping, fantastic year, and only a couple of good years around it, you can say about that about a lot of guys. So, no, nah, I, I wouldn't put him in. No, he's in my personal ballot, Hall yeah. of Fame. He's in my personal Hall of Fame, but not the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Well, he's in our hearts, and that's sometimes a little bit more important than being in some Hall of Fame. I think so. Exactly, because the Italian Stallion's in my personal Hall of Fame. Just because, you know, how could a jobber eat that much spaghetti? That's true, and he was very good. He was a spaghetti-eating champion. 
He's a spaghetti exactly. bender. Yeah, that too. So I, I never knew what that meant. I don't know how you bend spaghetti. Well, it, obviously he bends it with the power of his mind and his fork. So, yeah. Fair enough. All right, well, moving on to the actual ballot, we have our first candidate here, Jun Akiyama. And if I had a fart sound, I'd play it right now. <laughs> because because you know about Jun Akiyama's legendary gas problems. <laughs> also, the fact that uh, I don't even know why he's really on the ballot. I mean, and 13 people voted for him last year. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he had he has a lot of great matches on his resume, but those were against the great workers of his generation. I mean, he hasn't been a big draw, hasn't been, never lived up to his potential. I don't see a case. And he's booking right now. His current booking for himself when it comes to the GHC title is pretty much atrocious because he's the one in charge of that booking for the most part, and it's been atrocious this year. And, and, fact, Mark, and, it, and it needs to be said, too, he's still the, the – the, Kobashi's got to come back because he needs to get his win. And a lot of people will hold that against him, too, as bizarre as that sounds. Hey, one win? Yeah, but the one win is Kobashi. And that's the one you need. And it, does he necessarily need that win to go into the Hall of Fame at some point? No. Uh, ultimately, no. He'll do it other ways. But, yeah, he still needs a real marquee, something to really separate himself from the pack. And he doesn't have that yet, really. He's got a lot of great matches, though. He is a wrestler that has had many and many great matches, but it has not been because of him. He has been He's a guy that is on the Pro Wrestling Noah card, and he's one of the guys that's on the Hall of Fame ballot because he has had some legendary matches. But when you think about the box office that he's had and the big shows that he's headlined, he's headlined the you know the first Noah Tokyo Dome show. You know, headlined that against Kenta Kobashi. You know, right and there. Thing, and all that credit's going right to Kobashi. You know, and think about it though. When he headlined a dome show, basically by himself, it was him and Yuji Nagata at uh, the Tokyo Dome a few years ago for New Japan uh, on January 1st. And that show really didn't set the world on fire. And, you know, you didn't see a lot of uh, Jun Akiyama in New Japan after that. So it's Jun Akiyama. There's always been something about him. You, You know how you can sometimes look at a wrestler and sit there and go Japanese or Mexican? Jun Akiyama, you look at him, and he's just missing something. And it's just there's, there's a charisma that he has that basically makes you look at him and sit there and go, okay, well, he's very solid, very good in the ring, but he's just missing something. I agree. And I, agree. I, I, would, not, I would not have him on here just be, you know, he's had some good opponents, but on his own really hasn't done anything, although I wish he was still the, you know, global hardcore Crown champion. <laughs> yeah, you know, sadly that did not push him into the Hall of Fame. But you would think being the first one, it was, and more importantly, his wacky foray into math. But when you look at the angles and storylines he's had, Kobashi with his King Crab Lock. I mean, come on. You know that sounds like something that me and Mike Sempervivi would create after a night of heavy drinking, chop beer, and roll roll liquor shots. Well, that's how we came up with the one third title defenses for ourselves. Yeah, and look how good we did with those. (laughs) Well, moving right along, speaking of headlining dome shows against Kobashi, we have Kensuke Sasaki up next. Ooh. You think so? Yeah. I think he's borderline. I don't know. I may keep him out. I think well, uh, he may not get in this year. Although uh, you know, I would vote for him just because of the longevity, because he's been able to kind of reinvent himself. The fact that he did get over somewhat in America, and he's been 
really good for so long, because that's what the Hall of Fame turns into after a while. It ends up being the really good Hall of Fame. You know, it, which is a surprise. It actually surprised me that the Andersons aren't in the Hall of Fame. But I don't think I don't see how you can keep him out just because of the longevity, and he's pretty much accomplished everything he's going to accomplish, and he's still rolling along well. He's rolling along well in Nakajima's development. I mean, he's still people still at his age and at his level what he's at now. I mean, look at what he did with Takayama in the G1. The fact that you can always count on him and to, to gain interest if he's going to be on your cards. I mean, he's been one of the reasons. I'm not saying he's one of the reasons all Japan has stayed alive, but he it's he. His presence there certainly hasn't hurt. I think he's in, again, maybe it's not this year, but, but he, I think, belongs in absolutely. I, I would say that you're going to see him in the Hall of Fame sometime in the next three years. Uh, personally, right now, I would, I would vote for him in, and here's my reasons why. Mike mentioned the longevity. Think about this, though. Think about his awesome hair through the ages. I mean, really, he has seen some fantastic, fantastic mullets. But no, in all seriousness, you know, you remember, you know, the uh, WCW uh, New Japan cards, the Starcade 91 in the Tokyo Dome, I believe. Uh, That was... Yeah, that was one of the, 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 that was basically my introduction into the wonderful world of Presu. And of course, he was on that show in, in his fantastic match. And, you know, you'd sit there and you looked at his development through the 90s, his stuff in WCW. And then you looked at him in early, like, 98, 99, when he was in New Japan, when he was IWGP champion. And he was, you know, he might be high up in the cards, but still he was lacking something. But then, of course, he became a freelancer, basically working all these different promotions. And somewhere, sometime, I don't really, I can't really pinpoint the date. Maybe it was when he got his hair cut and lost them all forever. He became, he went from being a really good worker to a really, really, really great worker and has had that longevity. I mean, of course, he's, and we're saying all this longevity, and he's out right now with his, you know, little eye problem. But regardless, Kentucky Suzaki has definitely shown that, you know, he has been able to wrestle throughout the 90s and now been high up in the cards in so many different promotions. And I know what you're saying. It's not like the 70s and 80s in Japan where a guy basically stays in one promotion for most of the time. Like, in the, in the era of the freelancer, he has become the ultimate freelancer, and I hope he has the ultimate warrior makeup and has the same political views. And at a time where there seems to be everybody seems to be a freelancer, guys like Takayama and Sasaki and Tenru actually equate to something when it comes to people buying tickets. I mean, this is not a summon Nishimura. Yeah. I mean, look, look, what do you, that, look, that was good, actually. Like <laughs> that was, that was not a point down, Muga, but, you know. Yeah, that was a point me. down, Muga. Where is your sweet at? It surprises me that you're actually voting for him, though, Keith, because you have such a unhealthy uh, obsession with seeing him breaking up with Hokotel. I had no obsession with, with, you know, her, I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, Mike, I've always been upset that time that she smashed up Medusa's Harley. I was there in Moline when Medusa retired, and it just, it, it really has just brought up the Hokuto hate. And plus her with the makeup, it was just really, really tacky. Well, now, now Medusa, and I know that's surprising as well, but, you know, I am not going to have her fault deliver on her husband getting into the Hall of Fame or not. But right now, I think he's one of the stronger candidates that uh, Japan has. Well, I think his excellent fatherhood should uh, may propel him over the edge. I'm curious how those kids are going to be, though, you know? 
I, I think they might be really good wrestlers, but I have a feeling that they're going to hate their, their dad and possibly be more like their mom. And by, by that, I mean Joshi Legends. Oh, okay. I'm glad you cleared that up. Well, moving right along, we have Hiroshi Hase, who missed getting in by one vote last year. Another guy. I think he's in. Uh, it, but then again, and I'm biased about this, I always like Hase. So I'm a little, I, I know that I'm very biased about that, but I'm sure that goes into everybody's voting, who you've seen and everything. But I, I can't believe, after the matches with Muda, I can't believe after his just, the amount of history he has throughout the years, how he doesn't make it in. I mean, he was a great worker. Uh, you know, he had great matches. But I, I just, I can't see how he doesn't make it in. To, to me, Hase, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to say something here, and I don't want it to be controversial or offensive. To me, Hase is a lot like Arn Anderson, where he has had those very good matches. Like, he's had fantastic matches. You know, he's had a bunch, with a bunch, a bunch of different variety of opponents. But he's never really, I mean, when you think about the guy at the top of the card, he's never been that guy. You know, he was very an uh, excellent wrestler, but he was good for what he was doing. But what he was doing was not having the Hall of Fame career that he should have been having. You know, that if people will sit there and remember that tag team and remember who the most instrumental member of that team was. So, I personally, I, I think that he belongs in here. And the fact that he only missed it by one last year means there's a good possibility that this year, he might he might be in there, but with Kintsuki Sasaki also you know being in the hunt this year, possibly the votes could go that way. Yeah, but so. at, at the same time, I mean, unlike Arn Anderson, you said it. Hasi's had great matches. Anderson hasn't had that many great matches, especially not solo. He has, and at the time that he was, you know, yes, he was never, I guess, really the, the man on top. But then again, look at the roster then too. Um, yeah, oh, I. I, I the fact that that roster was so loaded, I mean, you can't necessarily hold that against him, though. Oh, I, I'm I'm trying not to, Mike, but but I mean, for for me, Hase Hase getting in is basically, you know, sort of the 1990, the heyday of New Japan and All Japan. It seems like now, if Hase gets in there, we have all our bases covered. And I'm not saying Hase is, you know, a, a bad worker or anything like that, because he's definitely not. And I'm not saying that he didn't have a fantastic mustache back in the day. But at the same time, I think that there are more. Yeah, that was, it was it was awesome as well. And, and more importantly, I mean, just the fact the Muda scrape, you know, he definitely, I think, definitely belongs in there. And the fact that he always had a wacky charisma about him. So. You know, I I would possibly vote for him if I could actually vote, but I'm not registered in the state. Well, I'd say I with think... all the uh, the news about his upcoming retirement uh, show coming up, uh, I say he gets in this year. That that could be, but I mean, if, if he doesn't get in as a powerful member of the Japanese diet, he could always change Dave Meltzer's rules and get himself in somehow. <laughs> And this may be a bad way to look at it because I like Ultimo Dragon and vote for Ultimo Dragon just to be in all of fame, which he is now. If Ultimo Dragon's in, Hase's in. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe that's right. not fair either to pick somebody that you, you don't believe belongs in there and say, you know, put somebody else in. But you look at that and you go, okay, you throw him up on the board. Hase, Ultimo. Wouldn't you put Hase in? 
and I think he matched him up to success because he hasn't had a bad team that he was that he was in. He didn't have a failure of a team, and he always had great matches, or at least always had really good matches, and was consistently at the top of the card. I think he belongs in. So you're saying that he should be in with guys like Earl Caddick. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jimmy Lennon. And I, I'm not going to wrestle. I won't wrestle. Big Wayne Munn is in the Hall of Fame. No. Well, <laughs> you might be not wrestling for quite a while, Mike. Oof. All right. Next candidate we have is uh, Aja Kong, and surely the Hustle Tag title win will propel her straight to the unanimous oh. vote in. If there's some way that I could actually do multiple votes on my ballot for one person, you know, because she is a super hustle tag team champion, you know, she belongs up there. I thought there was going to be some sort of crack about her weight. No, no. Why would I make... She is, she's a tag team champion, Mike. There's no reason to make fun of the girl's weight because, you know what, she might have a few extra pounds, but those extra pounds are sweet hustle belts. I'm the first to say I'm not Mr. Joshi, but I got to be honest. One of the one of the people that I immediately think of when I think you know women's wrestling, she's one of them. And I, I know that's not necessarily fair, but I can't like a lot of the guys. I don't have a whole lot of her stuff on tape, and I didn't follow her that that closely. I didn't follow the women's scene obviously as close as I did the men's scene. But to me, she's like the epitome of Japanese women's wrestling. I mean, she was over the top, and the fact that and the fact that I know who she is here, and the fact that a lot of people know who she is here because of her look, Khan, Bulmakan, those types of, she she seems to belong in. Although I know that there's a backlash now because there's people who think there are way too many Japanese female women's wrestlers in the Hall of Fame as it is, and I think that's what's going to hurt her. But to me, she's one of those people, and yeah, there's you know Toyota and Hokuto, and there's some other people like that that I know belong in. To me, she kind of epitomizes Japanese women wrestling, and the fact that she's a hustle champion now really puts it over the top for me. Even though she is not Kyuji Suzuki, because I remember you stating last year when we were talking our, when we were comparing Hall of Fame ballots, you said yeah, Aja Kong is not going in until Kyuji Suzuki's in. I want Kyuji Suzuki in. I want uh, well, Momo in uh, and Ai Fujita. And Volkan. Don't forget about him. Well, Jeffrey, yes. Yeah, please, someone vote him in now. Sorry. Quite all right. Well, up next we have Masa Saito, and uh, all I remember from him is his great view at Larry Zbysko over the oh. AWA world title in uh, 1990. Following through Pro Wrestling Illustrated. The oh, great totally. view he had with the cops, you know, in front of that. Uh, <laughs> that's right. The with David Jones, he's better. Or, I'm sorry, that's the old Ken Patera. I wish I could make the Arn Anderson analogy here, but... Uh, I okay. Now, whenever I think of him, here's your Arn Anderson. Yeah, yeah, he really, really is. But at the same time, he was at the top of the AWA cards during its very most prestigious days. Uh, no, he wasn't really. He was. Uh, I, uh, yeah, the same thing, Joe. Unfortunately for me as well. I remember the PWI mags when the Tokyo Dome was real, man. When it was the fucking Tokyo Egg Dome, where you know this egg-shaped Japanese guys beat our champion Larry Zabisco, pinned him to the mat for the one, two, three, got the AWA title, Western States Heritage title. Where was that? Huh? Where was that in all this? If Saito would have gotten that as well and been both the AWA World Heavyweight Champion and the Western States Heritage Champion, then I could possibly see voting for him for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't see Saito ever really making it in. It, it would be tough for me to believe he's going to make it in. With all these other guys that definitely belong in there, 
you know, I think that there's a lot more worthy ca- candidates than him. So, you know, and and I'm not just saying that because, you know, Scott Norton could be in this anytime soon. <laughs> Who, by the way, is now my friend on MySpace. I would like to know that. No, he won't be not shut up about this. It's the greatest birthday present he's ever gotten is Scott Flash Norton uh, becoming his buddy on MySpace. He came to me, Mike. It wasn't me sitting there seeing a wrestler on MySpace and trying to become a friend with him. Scott Flash Norton came to the good doctor, Dr. Keith Lipinski, because he's a big fan of my show. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like back in the day watching, like, the Great American Bash 98 and seeing Paul Heyman on his cell phone, or was it 90? Yeah, it was 90. Seeing Paul Heyman on the, on the, his cell phone during the Mean Mark versus Lex Luger match and sitting there going, he's pulling the hair, Maury, and Jim Ross saying, Maury, Maury, what's he talking? Maury Povich? You think he's at home watching with Connie Chung? What happened to that, Jim Ross? You know, Joe, you know, Keith has got a long list of people. Uh, actually, they're porn stars that are also his friends on MySpace. <laughs> I, I really don't have that many because I have a number of my wife's cousins on MySpace. So I, I try and keep it pretty clean. Yeah. You know, yeah. the porn stars are, are, are her cousins. I see. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to say that, asshole. Well, we finally made Dr. Keith cry at uh, about a half hour. Yes. Yes. Score one for Mike. All right. Our next candidate is Pancrase co-founder Masakatsu Funaki. Okay. Mm. What's he going in for? He's just on the ballot. Whatever you want. (laughs) Apparently, he needs a a new liver, and possibly the (laughs) elevated liver enzymes are pretty, pretty bad right now, but... Mm. Uh, he's, He's definitely in, although he's one of those guys... Well, okay, I don't want to say unlike Takata, but I think as long as, if, say, Takata goes in an MMA ballot, he belongs in. I mean, I think there's a question over, you know, obviously Pancrase became, came from work shoot. But if it wasn't, a, and then it became a shoot. But if it wasn't for Funaki, and it wasn't for his influence, he and Takata and a couple other guys, there wouldn't be a pride. You know, there, there wouldn't, obviously there'd still be a UFC, but... There wouldn't be a pride. If things wouldn't have gotten to the level that they got to in Japan. I think he belongs in. I don't know if you can if you can specify that he belongs in as a quote unquote wrestler or as a quote. I just think he belongs in. It's like Takata. I don't think he belongs in there as an MMA fighter, but he belongs on an MMA portion of a Hall of Fame. He definitely belongs in the wrestling portion of the Hall of Fame, and he is actually in. So, but yeah, I think Tanaki yeah. definitely deserves to be in. That's okay. I was basically going to agree with you, asshole. But now, now you know what? I'm going to vehemently disagree. He does not belong in this as well because there are far more deserving people, at least this year. So, Thank you, but, uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but I mean, with, with, with this, uh, I agree with Mike with the fact that just because of what he did to, tra- you know, transport the Japanese landscape of pro wrestling and MMA, I think that he definitely belongs in eventually. Will it be this year? I, I, I still don't get it yet because I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Because he is going in as a, a worker as opposed to someone, you know, outside of the business. One person that isn't a performer, rather a non-performer. So, I mean, based on performances, you could sit there and say, yeah, he, he, he sort of belongs in. But at the same time, 
as someone outside of the business, basically for the planning part of the business, the non-performer, he also he belongs in there. All right. Well, up next we have Kiyoshi Tamura. Ooh. Uh, me personally, I, he goes in because I, I don't. I'm one of those people who. who don't think there's there's not a better guy out there as far as making something look real. I don't think there's he is on par or he's just as good as anyone in the history of professional wrestling. I honestly believe that, and he's been a big favorite of mine. I would vote for him because I think he's that good, and I think you can reward him for that. But I, you know what? I don't think he ever makes it in. If he, he's not going to make it in anytime soon, I wouldn't think. But yeah, I, I would yeah. absolutely definitely put him in because you go, yeah, I mean he. Did he draw money? Yes, in ways he drew money. But at the same time, look at the U-style shows. I mean, you know, 3,000 people. So he's worth about 3,000 people now. I mean, he hasn't been able to sustain, and his name is important, and his name's very important, but it seems to be his name's only important if you're going to put up Sakuraba against it, which is what everybody wants and everybody has wanted for so long. And frankly, his position is being usurped somewhat by people like Minowa as as time goes on. He's He's always been very hard to work with, and I think that... I don't know if the, the voters are going to hold that against some people who have had problems with him. Yes, the obstinate man in red pants, you know, rears his ugly head. He can be a little bit troubling to, I guess, deal with. But as far as a worker goes, just on work alone, he's in. But is that enough? Probably not. I mean, if anything, he should possibly go in for, you know, guys that want to sort of, in pro wrestling, that sort of want to do an MMA gimmick, that want to make it look realistic. I believe that he should be in there. Most definitely, like, because you know when you when you sit there and watch, you know, guys like uh, what the hell is his name in OVW? There's a guy in OVW right now that's doing a you know shoot fighting gimmick. Charles he's a Russian, yeah, yeah, he's a Russian sambo champion, Mike. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, this is who, who Elijah Burke is. I'm, I'm wondering that's well, why he looks like uh, Apollo Creed in Rocky Four right now. He's going to face this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. I, I forget what the guy's name. He has a trainer as well by the name of Boris. I do remember Boris's name. I don't remember the MMA guy just for the fact that he is without a doubt one of the worst practitioners of MMA I think I've ever seen. Like he's been doing this this weird submission. It's supposed to be some sort of arm lock, and it just looks awful. It looks like him sort of riding the guy's arm and. You know, I think he needs to look at some Tamura tapes just to see how you should do it right, you know, in the pro wrestling ring, especially if you're going to go the MMA route. But I I also agree with Mike with some of the things. I mean, the fact that as I'm enjoying a delicious piece of chicken right now, I'm thinking about how chicken he's been over the last few years to face Sakuraba in the Pride ring, especially because Pride has needed that match because that's one of the few matches that Pride had left, you know, under, you know, as a quote-unquote dream match. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, 100% at fault with that. I'm sure Pride Management is not uh, the easiest to work with as well. But, yeah, I think uh, that fight could have happened, I think, if he really wanted it to happen because he's always going to be in Sakuraba's shadow. And he can't bitch about that because he he should be fighting, and I don't want to say he should be fighting for nothing, but you know what? If it's that important to him, which it seems to be, and if it's that big of a thorn in his side, then, yeah, he should have gone out of his way to make the fight if he was that confident in winning it. All right. Well, our last candidate, we have uh, Seiji Sakaguchi, who I think was a bit before my time as far as wrestling goes. I couldn't find a lot of info about him. I don't know if you know anything else. He's, you know, I know him mostly, and I, again, I'm not very familiar. I haven't seen 
mountains and mountains of, of tapes of him, especially in his prime. I mean, I know him more as the the president of of New Japan. You know, and actually had that feud he had with Bob Sapp, <laughs> along with his son, who's apparently a, a very handsome actor in in the Japan. That yes, that, <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I don't feel qualified to to, to say anything about Sakaguchi. Although I would tend to just seeing that, you know, from what people have said in the past, I know they would not put him in when the assumption that he would not go in, but I would reserve because I just haven't seen enough of him. Yeah, I, I mean, I can talk shit about him if you guys want me to, but, I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I, of course, have to remember his last match. It was a five-on-five and it was like it was it was like elimination five by five. But if you went over the top rope, you were eliminated. It was one of those type of dealies. And I remember he came down with his son, and apparently this was going to end New Japan's woes. The fact that they had his son, who's a who's either a popular singer, actor, sporting legend, whatever whatever he was, it helped the Tokyo Dome attendance. But we never saw the one-on-one him versus Bob Sapp match that I think the world demanded. I think if Bob Sapp would have accepted that match, him, Tamura, Bob Sapp would all be living happily ever after in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, but that might not be happening anytime soon. You, you needed Fujita come, to come in and beat up both of them. Well, with his, with his, with his incredible, awesome concrete cranium. Yes, the rusted cranium. It's good stuff. So, I, you know, I, here's here's one. You know, I know this is your show, Joe, but you know, I am a diva. Uh, Sabu, what do you think about Sabu in the Hall of Fame, gentlemen? I don't think he goes in. Yeah. I, not not yet. <laughs> I can see how somebody can make a, a claim for being because if you're going to do that and you look at his revolutionary moves and when he was coming up, you, you kind of go, well, okay. In that case, does Sean Wallman and Jerry Lynn also belong in? I mean, so uh, and, and Sabu was, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can put Sabu in all of fame. Now, if he just uh, unbelievably is able to keep himself, you know, together in one piece for the next couple of years, and he can do something in WWE, I wouldn't rule it out. But, uh, you know, because that's where Eddie and, and Chris Benoit pretty much sealed their deals as far as being all of fame to me was what they did in, in WWE. Maybe Sabu can do that, too. I just can't believe it. I, I just, I, I don't, no, I can't believe it. He'll never be in all of fame. I, at least I can't me ever voting for him. He was out of control. I mean, he was great for what he did, but was he the Sheik? No. Was he Abdullah? No. It's, no. I just can't see him being in. He, he was wildly influential, but he never really was on but in top. a positive way? Yeah, well, that's that's up to, for debate, but I mean, besides that, I mean, not really a ton of, of great matches. Didn't really draw a lot of money, I don't think. You're never really on top anywhere. Uh, you can make a case for it. I vote no. Hmm. Like, interesting. Interesting. I was, I was, I was teeter-tottering with the things that you guys just said, but then when you think about how many years he was, maybe he wasn't on top of the promotion, but he basically was the face of ECW for a long period of time. And even right now, he is being pushed still as the ECW extremist legend that isn't the Sandman. So, I mean, I'm I'm sort of like, I, I do well, think that eventually, well, the zombie will be on the Hall of Fame as well, Mike. <laughs> we're we're going to actually bring the Hall of Fame. And the bizarre Hall of Fame, Sabu's been there for a few years. So, but, yeah, you know, yeah, realistically, I got, I got to the clincher, which is going to help Sabu get in the Hall of Fame. We're going to have him talk in his promos. 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, revolutionary I, I, thinking right there. There's not a, there's no chance. In fact, the more we talk about, it, the more I think, no, absolutely, Vince McMahon entrance style, no chance in hell. We are thinking of that strut right now, so you know. So, uh, who, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more, Kurt Henning or Owen Hart? And, and do either of them really deserve Hall of Fame? Have they had Hall of Fame careers? What's that with you, Joe? I don't think either one really. Maybe uh, Kurt Henning more so. I think he, he was the uh, AWA champ. He had the very memorable IC title. Very good worker. Um, never really headlined on the on the WWF. Just didn't really have enough to push him over. I think he comes. He may come close. He'll get some votes. I don't think so. It's kind of the same with Owen Hart. I just don't think he did enough really to get in based on his wrestling. So I would vote no for both. No, I mean it. There's a junior heavyweight Hall of Fame. Yeah, he probably belongs in, and he had, and he had some great matches in Japan. That you, you can't hold it against him. But there's no way Owen Hart belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, great worker, but you know, he was one of those guys too, where he, even if he was doing it for fun, he. There are times where it's not like he was the most dynamic dude in the ring. I mean, he well, had, did have not like Johnny Ace matches. was in the ring. Uh, <laughs> but I you know there's there's your Arn Anderson slash Dick Murdoch. Litmus test. Okay, if Owen's in, you know, then Murdoch and Anderson have to be in. And the same way with Kurt Henning, although Kurt Henning, I think, belongs in far more. I think, there you go, if Dick Murdoch's not in, Henning's not in. But I think Henning is going to get in at some point because he was great as a worker. He was great and was, was pretty damn great for a, a good period of time there against guys that, you know, he had no right being great against, especially with the condition he was in sometimes. All right. Uh, Mike, you mentioned uh, Ultimo Dragon in the Hall of Fame. Do you think he belongs in, or do you think it's just a very borderline pick and it's not a big deal he got in? Or I think he's always going to be. It's like when the, the 100 Greatest Wrestlers book came out. He was one of those guys immediately everybody turned to and said, no way. Now, I backed him up. In fact, at the time I was writing for the Torch and I did a, a list, and I'm sure I could just kind of like Google search it. I, I thought he definitely belonged in the top 100. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But I can see how there are a lot of people that didn't believe that. And he, he's, he really is. He's always going to be hes always going to be that guy that I think people point to, you know, when they're, when they're lobbying for their candidate going, see, he's in. Because you look and go, okay, he did a lot of good as far as being a trainer and everything else. But then, you know, he's going, well, did he draw money? No, he really didn't. I mean, did he ever have a bad match? No, he always had a good... And that's the thing that, that put him in for me was, name, any, name some bad Ultimo Dragon matches. It's impossible. Name, I mean, most of them were three-star matches. And I think his consistently, and he was consistent in doing that. His career ended... It, it wasn't up to him the way his career ended. And the fact he came back from that, and, I, you know, he did get his legs come out in WWE, but he didn't. But I think his legacy as a trainer and everything else, everything combined, and the fact that he always was incredibly consistent, I think that put him in. That, that's me. But I, he's one of those guys, though, he's always going to be pointed to and as, a, as an example of, well, if he's in, my guy deserves to be in. Keith, what say you? What say me about Ultimo Dragon? Uh, that's right. I, I, I tend to go with Mike on this because... Mike talked a lot there, and it sounded really good. I, I really, I started doing a Sudoku puzzle, so that's. Okay. 
That's where my head's in right now. I'm trying to figure out where the seven belongs. Uh, Ultimo, Ultimo, I mean, you think about the guys that he trained, like Mike mentioned. I mean, you know, right there, that's reason enough. But is it? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like I can understand guys that are, are more passionate about another worker sitting there pointing to him and like, well, what's he doing in here? But you got to remember something, the fact that, you know, the reason why Ultimo wasn't, you know, pushed to the moon or anything like that was because we never saw his handsome face like Stephanie McMahon wanted us to see. So, yeah, but at the know. same time, I mean, he was able to take that mask, throw it on that cute little face of his, and become a star in three different countries. And I know it's a loaded. People go, ah, well, he wasn't a star here. Well, he got over in WCW. I mean, he did get over in WCW. Well, I think that, you know, I think a lot of people did. He did get over in WCW, and I would argue that point with anybody. I it, 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 it's a hard point to make, but it's like I would rather argue about which guys belong in it now rather than the guys that are in there, because I just think I just think it's more interesting to sit there and be like, okay, Kerry Von Erich, does he deserve to be in there? Davey Boy Smith, does he deserve to be in there? Because I'm looking at this back yeah, ballot right Keith, now. The, but Keith, here's the thing: you've already usurped the Joe Shell, so you know. That's true. That's that's true. That's true. But I mean, I I just I, I think I think I'm looking at this ballot right now, and I I definitely hope over the next few years that there's going to be a lot bigger names where I can just sit there and go, okay, this guy had a Hall of Fame career, he's definitely in here, because there's a lot of you know guys on here that have had good careers, but might might not belong in the Hall of Fame because maybe we just don't have the perspective on their entire career yet. Well, and here's the thing. Ultimo was was in very he was clutch. He got in when he did because I think Meltzer expanded out. And in fact, I know he expanded out the amount of people who were voting, which changed that dramatically. Because remember, he only got it. I think he snuck in by one vote. He came very very I mean, close. Vote for the Japanese part. Yeah, it was by the skin of his teeth. All right. And what about? I have one more question about someone currently in the Hall of Fame. What about Chono? Do you think that was a slam dunk pick? Do you think he deserved it? Or? Yes. Perhaps more borderline. Well, I, if all of two, Team 2000 voted twice, so I don't really think it was it was fair on them. Uh, you know, old Chono definitely deserved to be in there, and definitely someone that has enough charisma that we can forget about how broken down his body has been for the last, what is it now? Are, are we almost on 10 years of broken Chono? I think so. Yeah. We're, we're, we're way past it, I know, but like at the yeah. same time, it's not the Chono that you know should have gotten in. But for the charisma-wise, and for the fact that he's still, you know, even to this day, still can actually pull in a house, and more importantly, those awesome, awesome sunglasses. You know, and is is definitely improvement in sunglass tech and T-shirt technology in Japan. And the fact that he's taking a young upstart like Milano and actually teaching him a little bit about the ropes in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, he is Chono. He will forever be known as Chono. And more importantly, I think that, you know, for those reasons alone, and plus the fact that he actually did pretty decent, like Kintsuki Suzaki, in America. He was a former Central States television champion, he was. Daddy, daddy was. He had some nice tights as well. I, I, the one thing that I always wanted for Chono, though, is I really wanted a Chono Buff Bagwell tag team, like a permanent team, you know, and just just exhibitions where you know Buff Bagwell takes them to the dance club and shows them how to pick up girls, and then him and Chono just go clothes shopping in Japan. 
I can't follow that, so I'll just say, yeah, I think Chono was definitely a slam dunk pick for me. Yeah, that was just one of the ones. I, when I first um, saw he got in, I wasn't sure. I didn't wasn't sure of the fact that Mudo and Hashimoto in kind of helped him get that. He was the third Musketeer. He should be in too. But when I saw it, he's been, you know, a pretty high-level guy for I don't even know how long. I, you know, I think ultimately he does deserve to be in. But what's going to happen? Go ahead, Mike. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was saying his booking and his influence and everything else, I think, goes along with that. And yeah, I, I, I think he, yeah, I can't say how anybody would, could vote against him. I mean, I think it would just be sour grapes. It's like people who rebel against Mudo because they think he killed all Japan when in reality... He's done a noble job scooping up the pieces. I think anything against him is pretty much sour grapes. And to, to say that, well, Hashimoto, I mean, Hashimoto's in anyway. Mudo's in. I can't, I can't see how Chono doesn't belong in. I mean, he's, he's I don't know. Sorry. And to me, it's what's going to be interesting is in a few years when other New Japan notables can possibly be up for the Hall of Fame and what happens to them just for the way that things have been booked around these guys who are in the Hall of Fame at this time. I mean, when Yuji Nagata, you know, comes up and is eligible, like, that is going to be, you know, a very interesting... Yeah, it's going to be... Because some people will sit there and tell you right away, oh, yeah, this guy has had a Hall of Fame-like career, the fact that he was the longest reigning IWGP champion, and the fact that he had some really, really nice gear in WCW. But other people will remember the fact that what was going on in Japan when he was champion, you know, the scene was not like it was back in the 90s. And, you know, Tanzan, other, I'm basically trying to think of New Japan as a promotion and the guys that are based there, you know, and the junior heavyweight scene there. Like, it's going to be hard for those guys in the future and to actually get in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. I think, sorry, Jeff. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think Nagata's going to have a, a, a safer time and an easier trip getting all of him than Tenzon. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you, held the, you held the two up there. Now, I think what's going to hurt Nagata, too, is there's a lot of people that, one, just flat out don't like Nagata. They don't necessarily have the best of reasonings outside of, I just don't like the motherfucker. And, and, and that's kind of what they say about him, too. Everybody is always going to hold up the fight. And they're going to say the reason that he had the, the IWGP reign that he did was there was some damage control in there because of how embarrassed he got in that fight. Although, to me, you can't hold that against the guy. There's no way you can hold that against the guy. Oh, oh my, uh, my last question on the Hall of Fame stuff would be, I mean, with the state of, of, of uh, Japan right now, not just New Japan, but every company, do you think there's going to be any viable... Hall of Fame candidates coming up in the next few years? I mean, some people are young, like uh, Morishima. We don't know what he's going to do. But besides that, you look at guys like Nagata and Tenzan and Kojima, and, I mean, none of them really seem Hall of Fame-worthy. I, I think, I, that, well, that, yeah, that list Nagata's the automatic. I, I yeah, but, but it's, not, it's, not like, it's not like, you know, you knew when Mudo was ready. You knew the first year of eligibility he would be in. You know, Actually, he wasn't in uh, his first year. I think it took two tries for him to get in. Well, you, you knew at least right. that he'd, be, he'd do, do well at his first year, I guess, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Where you'd sit there and you would look at a guy and sit there and go, okay, that guy's a Hall of Famer, that guy's a blue chipper, and he's not the rock, who isn't up for uh, this for, I think, another year or so. And that's going to be, like, that's the next slam dunk person, I think, that's in there. But when it comes to Japan right now, it's going to be, it's going to be a few years. I mean, we might as well sit back and debate this, but it's going to be, I think, a while, because I cannot think of anyone 
in the business right now that isn't maybe you know an MMA you know practitioner that could be you know up for induction into this. And of course, now that I said that, I'm sure you or Joe or someone on a message board will prove me wrong. Two words: Manabu Nakanishi. <laughs> you see, it didn't even take that long. One half of, of course, your uh, current, or actually semi-current, uh, IWGP temporary tag team champions and the zero one uh, NWA, AWA, GP tag team champions, Team Grizzly Funk. Team Grizzly Funk. Credit Adam Summers with that one. Yes, Hofier. Oh, and, and really, Keith, I know you want to vote for him just because you were always a big, big fan of his OVW Revolution fashion style leather pants. Oh, to do totally. I mean, I, I, my favorite time of his was the one week that he was part of the Treason Trio. <laughs> no, his finest moment was last year's G1 where he rode the bus to promote the G1 Climax and then checked out a computer to see what people were saying about him online. Those two photos. I wish I had them. Well, I oh, actually, was so glorious. I actually, my, my favorite Naganishi photo from last year was uh, when the giant Bernardo went from, who, who's also my friend on MySpace, went from All Japan to New Japan, and he had one of his first matches with Naganishi. And to hype up the match, Naganishi talked about Bernard and actually had a book with him, some sort of picture book. And what did the picture book have? It had pictures of dogs in it. And I have this picture. It's a beautiful, beautiful, hardbound book. And it's Naganishi pointing to one of the St. Bernards. And I think he might actually have some sort of facial expression where he sits there and says, I am going to beat this dog, not knowing, of course, that it was the former WWE superstar Prince Albert. One thing about Nakanishi, much like Tenzan for so long, and it's not this way now, but there's one guy who management can just empty around right into his head, and the fans keep coming back. Who says Japanese fans aren't forgiving? Well, every year they have to get behind him because he has that in his contract that he has to have that one big push every year. So, you know. Oh, wait, what are we talking about? There's one current person that's going to be Hall of Fame, Brock Lesnar. Oh. Uh. I hope Brock has his head punched in. By <laughs> but I'm sure he's going to be fighting, like, Mike Coughlin in on New Year's Eve. I, I, you know what? Mike I actually would love to see that challenge right now. <laughs> Brock Lesnar versus my, that fucking idiot Mike Coughlin on New Year's Eve, possibly working for Pride where actually they will have to sell all their cameras because of the, the Yakuza or Yakuza scandal, and it will be taped using a, a 1987 Fisher, uh, Fisher Price uh, black and white pixelated camera. Maybe they can have an empty arena fight. <laughs> they can fight into the stands. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brock has I'm had sure. two two weeks worth of training. He's actually been, you know, some people actually pull buses with their teeth to get ready for MMA fights. Brock, even better, what he's doing is he's pulling his old WWE private plane with his teeth <laughs> down down the alley and stuff like that. As uh, Rita Mero, better known as Sable, uh, she's sitting there going. Okay, let's see what else is next. And I, I have a feeling that Brock is not training for this the best. I have a feeling that Brock's thinking that this is some sort of strongman contest. Not, a, not an MMA fight, but a strongman, and he's spending way too much time doing squats. I can't believe Brick hasn't quit yet. <laughs> <sighs> oh, 
boy. I, I'm more apt to believe he's going to quit before the, their odds are he's going to get actually be in some sort of octagon or ring and fighting. Well, I just, I just, I just picture you remember the awesome, awesome end of the WrestleMania that he came off the top with the shooting star press, landed so gracefully on his head, and he had this concussed look on his face. I think that look will be happening with any other fighter <laughs> except for Mike Coughlin on New Year's Eve. Well, we can only hope. In the empty arena match, you know, possibly uh, co-headline with uh, Don Fry versus two bottles of vodka. Don Fry, Don Fry belongs in. Don Fry, yeah, Don Fry belongs in. Anyone that sits there and says Don Fry does not belong in this Hall of Fame, you guys, you guys all suck. All right, that's what I'll say right now. Don Fry is a man's man, a working class gentleman, a man that knows no bounds, no limits, fantastic wrestler, fantastic hair, Antonio Inoki's final opponent, and more importantly, one of the most entertaining men, no matter what, you can give him a subject, and he'll sit there, and he'll make fun of Mike Sempervivi for no reason. Just a great, 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 great man, you know? This is why, yes, I need to vote for him, because I'm definitely afraid of the man, and he's given me good reason to. Joe, do you know that man offered to sell me pictures of my own wife naked? I, I heard that. I, I've heard what, a lot of what do you mean? I got pictures of my wife right here. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am though. I am though. Now that I am good friends with Scott Norton, I am working on a show where I can get him, where I can get Norton and Fry on at the same time. And I'm hoping Norton, Fry, and Lipinski could be the comedy team that revolution I, uh, that possibly becomes the biggest force of Parasu related. Gaijin comedy since possibly, you know, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Wow. It's good to have goals. It's good. So. Well, do we have any more uh, Hall of Fame talk before we move on to our exciting I, next topic? I, 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 I guess I just have to say that when I look at this ballot and I see the Andersons and I see the mass assassins, I, I, and I look at Kerry Von Erich, and I look at Davy Boy Smith, I see a lot of guys here that, you know, for one reason or another, they're probably going to be on this ballot for a long, long time, because I can always see people voting for them, but I don't necessarily see them getting in until Dave changes his criteria a little bit. Because I think, I think Davy Boy Smith, the argument is, you know, pretty good for and also pretty good against having him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, with who? Davey Boy Smith. Davey Boy Smith? No, I, I, I can't see anybody can put it in. Although, you know, it's bad for the, the assassins because as time goes on, I think time is going to end up being good to the Andersons, especially if you decide to go, okay, Gene, Lars, all, I mean, however you're going to cut it, about putting him in as a unit, I think they make it in where the guy like Jody Hamilton and, and the assassins and Ernesto, I think as time goes on, it won't be as fair to them. No. And I, I don't know how Carlito is going to hurt his father's chances. Because <laughs> I just, no, I, 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 I look at that name right there, I think of Carlito, and even though everything he's done in Puerto Rico, you know, I just look at that and then remember old PWI issues of, you know, Carlos and uh, Abdullah the Butcher, and I just don't want to sit there and actually fill out the scantron to vote Carlos Colon. It's very, I can understand why. It, it's hard for me to believe that, that Carlos doesn't belong in, although I know that people will go, well, didn't Wilbur Snyder deserve to be in for homesteading? But it was a little bit different with Carlos. I, I think Carlos does belong in. 
I, I know Grant is isolated to his island alone because when he did go out and go to other places, he wasn't a draw. He wasn't really a guy of note. He would be in lower card matches and, and be combined in tag matches. But I, I don't think you can you can deny what his influence and what he was in Puerto Rico. I mean, I think the money he's made there, I, I think that he belongs in. I think he's earned enough money there, granted. It's his company and he was on top. But you know what? He, he did it well for a long period of time. Although, frankly, the, the Brody thing is always going to hurt him too. And frankly, in my opinion, that doesn't hurt my feelings. The, the fact that people are going to hold that against him. All right. Well... That's the Hall of Fame talk, and now, since it's, it's August, it's G1 Climax time. Are you excited? I think my climax a few minutes ago. But... <laughs> 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 what do you mean, climax all over the phone? <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Maybe because of my mustache, it's like a Tom oh. Selleck. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're like going down the district right now. Uh, yes, it is, it is the time of year that is known as the G1 Climax. Thankfully, New Japan has taken the finest variety of superstars, talent that they have right now, and put it into a tournament. The one good thing I could say about the G1 this year is the A block looks very good. The B block is there. It's a block. It's, you know, it obviously has some feelings. Uh, What's going to happen this year in this tournament? I'm not so sure. I'm happy that it is only five guys in each block. Here are the. I will uh, give the blocks here, and then we'll see. The A block has Manabu Nakanishi, Giant Bernard, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jushin Liger, and Satoshi Kojima as the only outsider. B block has uh, Tenzan, Yuji Nagata, Shinya Makabe, Koji Kanemoto, and Naofumi Yamamoto. Conspicuous by their absence is Chono. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Brock Lesnar, of course, and Akabono. So, Mike, tell me what you think about this, and you can't use profanity or any groans. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, man. Not allowed. Well, in, in any event, I, I... Adam and I were talking about this yesterday, the show that just went up, and we were scared to... Well, I, he wasn't scared. I was scared to do any more picks. It's, it looks to actually be pretty good... It's just that, okay, I think Kojima's going to win the thing. So then you try to book backwards and try to figure out who he goes over and how to not hurt Tanahashi in this. Because initially, I had him beating Tanahashi twice on the 10th, and I am beating him in the finals. But then it lays into, okay, then you just hurt the guy you just put the belt on. And, and you can't do that. So it's, I don't know. It's a very interesting tournament because I think Nagata storms out of block B. I don't think there's anybody close to him. But that A block is so good, and you go, look, okay, who is it? I mean, is it, do you somehow screw Kojima? I can't believe Kojima wouldn't be in the final four, but do you do something where it's Nakanishi and Tanahashi? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it, it, I'm taking Kojima now, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they book this thing, because Yamamoto, do they give Yamamoto some wins? You know, yeah, is, I think. Is there anybody takes the goose egg? Because right now, if anybody's taking the goose egg, in my opinion, it's actually Liger. Yeah, or, or possibly Koji Kanemoto, you know, because I, 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 I think if anything, what they're going to do with Yamamoto is either they're going to do what they should do, which is give him a few big wins, or they will give him one surprising win towards the end or possibly one draw. Uh, Japanese tournaments, I mean, this tournament looks okay to me, but I just get really tired of 
you know, the fire festival that just happened a few weeks ago. There was a number of just decisions that were made there in the booking where, you know, nice 30-minute draws, elimination matches before the finals and stuff like that, where it's just like enough is enough. I just want to see – I would just like to see a clear-cut book tournament with winners and losers where I can just sit there and at least explain to the people rather than sitting there going, okay, well, this was a draw, this was a 30-minute draw. You know, I, If anything, I wish there could be some sort of rule, some booking law, one draw per tournament. That's it. You know? Yeah, and yeah, I, know, I know. Come on, Mike. Come on. Well, without, aren't you... Here's the thing. Without going single elimination, I mean, these, these are basically like mini-leagues. These aren't, this isn't exactly a tournament, so you have to have some wackiness in there as far as draws and stuff like that to get to your final result. I mean, I can understand it if you wanted to have no draws in a single elimination tournament, but you know something's got to get here to shave points and to make things happen because you know the whole thing, there was a goal in mind to do at least a three-way or a four-way in that final night for the fire Festival. So I don't think that's that big of a deal. People I don't just... like tournaments. I, you know what? That's right. I've always hated tournaments. It's basically my hatred of tournaments that's basically causing here. And the fact that Milano's dog is not involved in this tournament this year. I think he would actually be a possible better candidate than uh, Maccabi. So, Joe, Keith lost a shitload of money on the mod squad during the Crockett Cup. I see. You always bring that up, don't you? But I, I end up winning in the end, so... You know, I, I think Yamamoto, I think that hopefully he'll, his profile will continue to grow because he's definitely the one guy in this tournament that is not damaged goods, you know. And I think Yamamoto needs three points. Give him a win and give him a draw, a surprise draw. It's just who does it come against? I think you give him three, although I don't think you hurt him either if he takes the goose egg and is the, the new guy in gets uh, slapped down. I, I don't think that would be that big of a shock. I don't think it hurts him either. Now, I think I, it would hurt Bernard. Because yeah. then you also have to figure out a way to protect Bernard because you do have to protect Bernard somewhat. You didn't have to win I, it. He doesn't even have to be in the semis, but yeah, you got to protect him. I, I think the guys they hear that you definitely need to protect are going to be your Kojima, your Tanahashi, uh, and, and possibly uh, your Bernard. The other guys, it's basically open season. You know, Liger, he could take as many losses as possible. It's not a problem. Kenamoto, I mean, you know, he has a new physique, and that new physique is going to be good, especially if he lays on the mat a lot while the referee counts one, two, three. Uh, Makabe is Makabe. I don't really need to say anything else. Nagata, I mean, he's always looked strong. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt me if he looked really good in this tournament because I, I am a Nagata fan. But at the same time, he could possibly go for some losses here because his whole career has been paced on win-loss, 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 up, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Uh, Kojima, if you have him go over to this tournament, that isn't a bad idea. The problem is what does that do, though, for New Japan in the long run? Unless they're going to bring back him as a full-timer next year, and I don't know if necessarily see that, but at the same time, that would give Kojima something to do, considering his all-Japan run, even though it's great, he did actually go through most of that roster, if not all of that roster. Yeah, yeah and he didn't, have, he didn't have a choice to, and I thought he did quite an admirable job doing it, and the fact that I thought he was the strongest, of, if you wanted to name world champions across the world, he was the strongest there for a while before him losing that. And I think, really, if you Tanahashi probably needs the win. And that's the thing. I think he needs. I think he needs to go and actually blow through with eight points, win his semi, and win the final. 
and do it in a dominating fashion because people aren't really behind Tanahashi 100%. And I think you need to give him a reason to. And you can do that in the finals, too, with him blowing out Kojima. You know, Kojima doesn't need the appearances. He'll make one or two others throughout the year, but he'll never come back as a full-timer. You know that. All Japan needs to have him there. So he's actually not going to come back. I think Tanahashi would probably benefit most by just running the table completely. But the thing is, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, well, that's not going to happen. You know, there's no way that's going to happen. Doesn't Tanahashi really need to, to win the whole thing, though? I mean, he can drop a... That's what I'm saying. He, that's, yeah. he needs to win it, and, but he needs to go through the whole thing, like, blow away speed strong. I mean, there can't be even be a question, and yell, yeah, make it kind of boring, and people will go, well, he just dominated the whole field. He needs to. You know, personally, it doesn't matter who wins because uh, our boy Nakamura still can bench press more than all these guys <laughs> combined. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I don't have a feeling. I don't have a feeling of dread about this tournament. And more importantly, I, I'm still waiting for Josh Barnett to get a special shot at this <laughs> tournament. And I, I don't necessarily see that happening even either. So. You know, who's to say? I, I'm just really looking forward to the TPI tournament this year and, you know, the Battle of Los Angeles. I think, actually, I'm all about the American tournaments this year. Hopefully next year the Japanese tournaments will be back in vogue. But it's just the fact that I, I think I've seen so many damn tournaments this year. Even Noah, Pro Wrestling Noah, a group for most people that can do no wrong whatsoever, had an awful tournament this year. They had so, a losers tournament. Yeah, he does. <laughs> that's what it should have actually been. It should have actually been called the Losers Pro Wrestling Noah Tournament, where it's basically, consequently, all these guys here are losers. We put them together in a big, huge Losers Bowl Tournament and see who could be the ultimate loser. And that loser gets to face Jun Akiyama as a number one contender. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Akiyama, although, you know, it was still better than the Ultimate Battle Royal that New Japan had. That's true. Uh, you're still, I mean, how many years ago did we have to deal with that Ultimate Royale and we still can't forget all about it? No, it was just because it was that bad. It was that effing bad. If anybody's ever seen it, new, if you've never seen it, don't. Don't see it. Avoid okay. that show at all costs. That was the Dome show, right? Yeah, avoid that show. It was awful. Sorry. Will do. Now, uh, out of the A block, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Giant Bernard versus Jushin Liger because it'll probably be a fun match, and it's it's kind of fucked up if you think about it. But other than that, there's not a lot of potential matchups that really excite me a whole lot. I mean, as well, Kojima is the outsider, that's not really, you know, fresh matchups. Not like when they brought in Akiyama three years back and created a whole lot of interesting matchups. There's nothing here that really – stuff will be fine, but, you know, nothing that makes you say, gee, i got to see this. In By the way, way, you did know, remind the, you did remind us all of the time where Jun Akiyama actually could do no wrong. So thank you for doing that, Joe. Sure. So, but that that of course was only a short period of time during August when we were all so damn hot, possibly that it really didn't do anything to us at all. I, Go ahead, Mike. I forgot what I was going to say now. So I'm looking forward to actually because he's got. I mean, Kojima and Bernard. I mean, they they worked well together in all Japan. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how many times Bernard has draws and double countouts and the like because I can see Nakanishi Bernard being a, you know, one of those knockdown drag out nine minute fights that ends up outside the ring and ends up everywhere. And he's one of those guys on the ninth with Tanahashi. I can see a draw happening. 
Now, I can see Tom Ashley also winning that match. At first, though, I was kind of figuring that might be a draw there, but then what do you do the next night with him and Nakanishi? I mean, there's... there's yeah, I think Nakanishi uses... I think Naganishi uses the pitcher book that I was talking about before, Mike, and actually knocks out Bernard with it and gets, gets uh, you know, possibly disqualified for excessive referee violence, uh, referee library violence. And then he rides the bus and then uh, goes online to see what people thought of the match. And then Bob Sapp sees him all over and keeps on eating pictures of him. Yeah, I finally saw that skit, uh, like, uh, a month ago, and I'd always want to see it, and, boy, that's that's good stuff right there. Oh, Totally. Oh, that was that was a hundred times better than anything that uh, Bob Sapp did in New Japan. That's so, true. <laughs> but anyway, you know. we'll yeah, yeah, do a Kobayashi and the octopus. Nothing could be as good as that. Nothing this year will. And when we see Bernard, but you know, I I think the, what we, we're missing here is an octopus in this tournament. Possibly an octopus and the new New Japan mascot, the kids lion, that basically is a ripoff of the Harris Bank lion. Like I would like to see those two involved in some matches during the G1 as well, because I think that lion could possibly bring out the best of the octopus. Not that Abdullah Koba Kobayashi couldn't. Could we have an animal G1 if we throw in Milano's uh, dog? Oh, that's <laughs> hey, here here in Extreme Championship Wrestling, which is owned by the <laughs> World Wrestling Entertainment. We have a tradition, and it's called the three-way animal dance. You know, I just picture some crackers being used in the match, and possibly Francine and Tori Wilson ripping <laughs> each other's clothes off over the crackers. And they're animal crackers. Huh. 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 Wow. All right. Any other thoughts on the G1 Climax? <laughs> I think Mike lost it a while ago. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> happened. He's making my brain melt. speaking out of my ear right now. <laughs> I'll say this. Makabe, not winning it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Too bad Yoshi, our, our usual ghost pick, is is totally missing <laughs> from this tournament and possibly spending the time bulking up on Naganishi style. Oh, I'm go. very upset, too, that Yoshi did not win the Fire Festival. My man. I, I picked Yoshi. By the way, I also said uh, Tomoaki Hanma would go winless throughout the tournament. I was absolutely correct. Biggest jobber in all of Japan. Thank you. And uh, it's not only all Japan, but, but, but the world of Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah, so. young young boys uh, snicker at his win loss record. <laughs> he was one half of Turmeric Storm. Uh, who's better off now, uh, Miyamoto or uh, Hanma? I, you know, the sad thing is, I think Miyamoto. I think I saw his wow. picture on a, on, a, on a thing of milk, so he's pretty <laughs> Mia missing. And that's really good because he's learned. Actually, he's come to America and learned the American territory style in the year 2004 through 2006. And doesn't that scare the hell out of anyone listening to this show right now? No, not at all, because Nakamura's here somewhere right now, learning the territory system, right? No, he's I mean, learning how to use free weights, like free weights, free weights, and machines. That's what he's doing right now. <laughs> Well, we know where King's Road apparently leads to Oblivion. Yes, it leads to a bottled, empty bottle of uh, Royal Road, because that, 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 that could be the book, From King's Road to Royal Road, My Story of an Alcoholic Depressed Pro Wrestler. Yep. Forward least... written by Toro Yano. <laughs> a man that belongs in this fucking tournament but is not. I mean, you know, come on. How, how bad is that for the fact 
that we can't see that, that we can't see any of our favorite WrestleMania characters, the hustle ripoff promotion in here. <laughs> but yet, yet we have, you know, and especially Koshinaka, one half, you know, one half of the tag team that used to be the possible <laughs> IWGP tag team champions. His butt bump will not be enjoyed by people as part of the block matchups in the G1. It's, you know what? It's sickening. Well, let me ask this question of you guys. How many points does Tenzon end with? Uh, Everybody's favorite punching bag. So there's mm, a chance it's two. Three. I say three. Three. Beats Liger, goes to a draw with, uh, I don't know, Nakanishi, just because that'd be terrible. And, uh, yeah, gets three. Yeah, he beats Kanemoto on the first night. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong block. I'm sorry. I thought I was looking at... No, he would not fight Nakanishi because they are in the wrong block. Uh, Tenzan would get... He would get four. No, actually, he might get six. I unless, he, unless it's one of those wacky ups. He's in the, the least talented block when you think yeah. about it. Considering there's two blocks, it's really hard to find a talented block. But, uh, you know, I think I think he's probably going to end up with a few points. I don't see him having as many points as Nagata. But now that I've said it, I think Tenzan's winning it, kids. I, I think there's Yamamoto's big win. He's over Tenzan. I don't think he finishes with any more than four four tops, and that's a win over Makabe and a win over Kanemoto. So no, let me ask this uh, about Tenzan. Is he, when he's going from tour stop to tour stop, does he have to fly in crowded airplanes at all where he has a lot of short leg room and he's not wearing his all-Japan magic body healing suit? Hopefully he's working on the boxing ring again with Chono. Oh, Which go. is always one of my all-time favorite pictures. <laughs> he's, got his, he's got this magic punch down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think Tenzan may actually advance in the B block because I don't see unless there's a, a four-way dance at the end uh, with everyone but Nagata to see who advances. With 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 of course the uh, picture the picture book with the uh, giant Bernard and uh, the New Japan Lion and and whatever Toriyano was smoking last night, which would be a, usually an ugly woman. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Come on, Mike! Come on! You know what? I actually have more fond memories of New Japan pictures for about the last two years than I do have of New Japan matches, and that's a problem. What about the photo of Mudo when he was sick before his big tag Yes. I was for a, um, a uh, an avatar for a long time because that was just fantastically great. That that's that a way was, to drum up interest in a match. It, it, that's up up with one of my favorite pictures of all time of the one with Masala smiling and laughing. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a good picture. Oh, but, it's also uh, Minoru Suzuki hanging around with a uh, a mascot from the Sonic the Hedgehog video games. Right, I think putting yeah. an abdominal stretch on him too. Before before he beat the living shit out of it. So, <laughs> oh man, so many good memories of pictures. So you know, is, is this by the way the longest show you've ever done, Joe? We're approaching that. I think I think we are going to pass that in about a minute. The other longest show was a Dr. Keith show, which should surprise no one. And that was a show, by the way, that I was not under any chemical substances at the time. I actually did test positive for Joe's uh, wellness. On that, and the sad thing, thankfully, your show is not like Brian Alvarez's show, where that would be turned into a drop and put next to a, some sort of sonic breakdown. 
No, no one makes uh, great drops for our shows. The, the only person who made something for our show, a great graphic, I uh, got his name wrong when I thanked him on the air. So, And you will never him, get any graphics from him again. I will, I will get nothing from anyone ever again. Oh, man. Such well, you, luckily, you, you're, you're lucky enough to have, you know, myself and Mike on your show this week because, you know, obviously Mike has been very busy judging pig calling contest and me i'm personally looking for another ice cream truck in this part of illinois that does have a wwe superstars ice cream bar oh boy because i actually did find one a few weeks ago that did it was obviously one of the the highlights of my year so far but i was it was only that one i haven't been able to find one since so and it's for for those asking it was a cane ice cream bar but it was not the masked cane. It was the unmasked cane. I was hoping to get, like, a masked cane and have the bogus imposter cane ice cream sandwich. Now, were those bars like the original, like, Junkyard Dog era bars? Because those bars were effing awesome. No, this was actually, I, I did taste some freezer burn here, and I felt if I actually would have peeled off the cookie a little bit more, I would have found, like, the Leaping Lenny Papo uh, Superstars ice cream bar underneath, so... It was a little frozen I thought you'd find Leaping Landy Popo, like you'd actually pop out and read you a rhyme. Well, you know, you know, you, Mike, Mike knows of my hatred of Leaping Lenny Popo, but I don't think Joe, and maybe Joe's listeners don't know. No, uh, I, 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 of course, as, as someone likes wacky wrestling, I was a big fan of Leaping Lenny's awful poetry, and more importantly, awful frisbees. And a few years ago, I was probably at work, bored out of my mind, and I came upon an eBay auction for an authentic Leaping Lenny Poffo Frisbee. And, of course, you know, this is something that I wanted more than anything else in the world. I spent, I believe, $15 on it, and I was so excited because not only was I getting a Leaping Lenny Poffo Frisbee, guys, but I was getting hit with, of course, rhyme on it, and I was so, so looking forward to it. The rhyme that was on it was a generic WWE rhyme. It was oh. not something focused at an Iron Mike Sharp or possibly one member of the British Bulldogs or, you know, anything. It was just something dedicated to the fans of the WWE, and that was the last time pro wrestling made me cry. So this is all BS. This is all lies. Keith won't tell you about the fact that he was, you know, violated in Downers Grove, Illinois. That's the reason he ate Sleeping Lenny Popo. The man was humble <laughs> well, in Downers Grove. I actually was supposed to have Leaping Lenny on my show because I wanted to have a show all about poetry one week because it was supposed to be, you know, this was actually yeah, about was- two months ago. I was working on the Dr. Keith, the poetry hour, where it was just going to be myself, Heidenreich, and Leaping Lenny Poffo, and I am not making this up. But sadly, Leaping Lenny has not gotten back to me, especially after I mentioned the fact that I wanted to talk a lot about his anti-smoking limericks that sucked. You know, on that, I can think of no better way to end the show than uh, talking of, of Leaping Lenny Poffo. So, I think you both have radio shows to plug. Why don't you get going with that? Mike, uh, I'll let you start. No, please. God knows. This show needs that. Maybe you should do yours first. <laughs> oh, that, that's true. For for fine quality train wrecky radio, you can only go one place. The Dr. Keith Lipinski Show, available at com, drkeithshow.com, uh, 
definitely take a listen. This week on the show, it is a fantastic edition. Barlow is still missing, but the fun is amplified with Spider Nate Webb telling us a lot of great midget stories, songs, dances, Zach Arnold and I previewing most of G1, and material that you will not hear here or hear tomorrow when I am on the F4 3 or 4 Daily Show for Friday. Uh, just definitely check out all the radio shows that I do because my voice is here at least for a limited time. And uh, I definitely want to thank Joe for having me and Mike on the show, especially for the fact that this is probably going to be the worst edition of the show. And the fact I actually feel that the more I'm actually on the show, Joe, I'm, I'm bringing it down. Oh, the complete opposite is true. And if you can plug the show tomorrow on Brian Alvarez's show, there may be a bowl of purple M&Ms in it for you. Oh, sweet, sweet. Now, now, make sure, though, you get the weekly gong issues from uh, 1999 like I wanted. You know, you got it. all the ones with very special Ogawa interviews where he's looking <laughs> off in the sunset and pondering his next move in the world of pro wrestling, where basically he realized now that he's beaten Hashimoto, he doesn't have a pro wrestling career anymore unless he does something with his pelvic thrust. All right, Mike, try to follow that. I think you can time. If there's any time left after you get done listening to the Junior Varsity, come on over to F4WOnline.com. Join Varsity, you'll get a nice, fat little Letterman's jacket there. Yes, the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare, which is actually free this week. Uh, yes, F4WOnline.com. You should also, while you're at it, become a member for only six ninety five a month or ten ninety five if you want the hard copy delivered right to your house, too. Yes, that's everyone all. sign up for uh, Figure4Weekly.com. Uh, even if you have to listen to Mike's show, that's okay. Which now, of course, when, so when you're saying that with derision, you must mean Coughlin, right, Joe? Whatever you say. All I, all I know is apparently if, if, if Mike, Mike and Adam show is varsity and I'm JV, obviously there's some sort of wellness policy that's not being in effect at F4WOnline.com unless you're writing, which I occasionally do on that fine side. I see. Well, it's like I told Brian Alvarez. If, if F4W.com is the WWE, then we're like Puerto Rico. You know, we're, we're small, we're active, and there is a tiny thread connecting the two. Very, very tenuous, but it's there. And it's known as Savio Vega. And I also blade during every show, so... Uh... Dude, I bladed once on a show, and it was awesome. <laughs> That's true. Man, I think bladed I, I, I did like the third PPH ever. Yes, it was. You know, hey, have you, Mike? I, I feel like I should take over this interview and just talk to Mike now. But, uh, Mike, do you ever listen to old PPHs at all? Only when I'm, like, on a real big high and I need to depress the shit out of myself. Because I was I, 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 I was going through some computer files on my my computer because I think the feds are going to come bust me any day now and uh, I, I listened to show four and I was just amazed how young we sa- sounded and how immature we sounded and then I listened to a show that we did like one of our last shows as a PPH together and I was like wow we really didn't change it at all except for going through puberty. <laughs> yes, yeah, the hope that. Uh... Our, uh, our Midnight Express show that we would become Eaton and Lane. Unfortunately, we just stayed Randy Rose in Norville, Austin. Wow. A Norville Austin <laughs> reference. And, and thank you for bringing up Midnight Express because you know of my story about not being on the Midnight Express Q&A for Ring of Honor and the awesome question I had that put, you know, uh, good old Jim Cornette in a fit sitting there saying this was not a true Midnight Express reunion because of bodacious part. <laughs> and bombastic Bob were not in the house. 
So I, I had more heat for that second than GLF had. Wow. Is that possible? Yeah. Well, it was a quick second, though. It's like, wham. <laughs> so. All right. On that note, we are going to close this up finally, this marathon session. I want to thank you both very much for being on. Our first conference call type show was a big success. We'll have you on and maybe break the record again for the longest show. We got to bring we got to bring Summers on and actually do just a, a retrospective of the few months that we worked together, all three of us as a team, and then just what happened. Sort of like a, I have always wanted to do like a behind the music of the PPH, except not have it authorized at all and have like you know cartoon kids voices for you know like Coughlin. Uh, Mike Sivervivi, do you have any final words? You're a great man, Joe. Oh, thank you. I'm thank not going to talk to Keith. Probably has another hour's worth of final words, so we're just going to. I would like to. I would like to thank all my sponsors, Serious Pant, uh, and I also definitely, you know, I definitely love Joe's show. I I listen to it all the time. I don't actually know where to listen to it at, but hopefully Joe would tell me before this is on. And uh, I definitely, I, I definitely hope Joe comes out to. Chicago, the Chicagoland area, because I definitely want to take him to Midlothian and uh, for the TPI this year. So oh, that I would hope... be that would be great. Are you inviting me to crash at, at Dr. Keith's house, or or is this just kind of? I, I hope Joe makes it out. I I, I really hope. I really hope Joe comes out for the TPI <laughs> this year. I can I I will sit there and I will definitely talk to the wife when she gets back in town. Because you know she, you know I. Well, I she's right here. You want to talk to her? Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. What do you mean she's right there? I thought she was right here, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I was coming. Well, why don't you put some hearing aids on your ears? Because you hate it. Because you got. Because you're gay. <laughs> oh. oh, I want to thank everyone for listening. If anyone's made it this far. No, you know what? We're hijacking this show. We're not going to let it end. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. That's because I have such respect for Mr. Ganya, a true, true pro, true champion, I'm going to shut up now. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. We have a full archive of shows at thecubsfan.com, including Dr. Keith's prior appearance. So that's about uh, 10 hours worth of audio right there for your listening pleasure. Again, I want to thank both Dr. Keith and Mike Sepervivi for being on. We will try to have them on again very, very soon. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and uh, tell your enemies, too, if it helps. Again, any f- actually no, no. I already asked you for final words. No final words. We're all done. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a list of names from the phone book that I would like to bring. I guess I guess I think the show should end with Mike's favorite hustle character making its dramatic re-debut. Ladies and gentlemen, to say goodbye to finish up this episode of Joe versus the World, the one and only Monster Toilet. <laughs> Should we do a three-way hustle chant to end the show? Fuck yeah! We should do a three-way yeah. hustle chant. All right. <coughs> Three, two, two, one. Hustle! 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 You're even worse at this than me. 
Right, now, no, 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 keep in mind, folks, that the fact that the hustle chant is so incredibly awesome and so incredibly powerful that actually the hustle chant cannot be caught when you do three guys at the same time on a radio show. It just doesn't work like that. Actually, it sounded beautiful on my end, but I know that there's going to be something, the law of averages, and possibly even God himself will sit there and go, no, that hustle chant cannot sound good. All right. Well, I can think of no better way to end. So we're finally ending this now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll talk to you next time.